This is Beekeeper Confidential, a show about the curious lives of bees and their beekeepers. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. Today's guest is a passionate educator, bee removal expert, and bee priestess. Since 2012, Believe Hawaii's founder, Jasmine Joy, has been sharing her love and compassion for bees and pollinators through saving bee colonies from extermination, developing habitat restoration, and creating a sacred space for children to come and learn and explore the world of bees. Her contributions to the bee community are profoundly beautiful and significant, and it was such a delight to spend an evening cozied in my studio with a glass of Prosecco, listening to her wisdom and enjoying the surprise thunderstorm that moved over during our conversation. Meet Jasmine Joy of Believe Hawaii. originally working for a company called Honey Girl Organics on the North Shore of Oahu, and it's an organic skincare line. So I was like probably the third person that the founder taught how to make his whole product line. So like all the formulas and everything. And the founder, his name is Anthony Maxfield. He's also currently the president of Hawaii Beekeepers Association. Oh. And mm-hmm. and so before that, did you have any prior interest or experience with bees? Or was this your introduction to the bee world? That was my introduction, but I also had a childhood introduction, which was very, I don't know if the word is minimal, but it, it was very discreet. Like my So I'm half Nicaraguan and half Filipino. Both of my parents are immigrants, and I was born in Los Angeles, California. Hmm. And my abuelito, so my grandfather on my Nicaraguan side, used to keep bees. And it was one of my earlier memories that he brought me to the bottom of this grassy hill, and there he had a beehive on top of the hill there. And I just remember seeing white boxes stacked on top of each other and him wearing this white suit and he looked like an astronaut. (laughs) And then he, before he left me at the base of the hill, he said, no matter what happens, don't be afraid. And then I saw him walk up the hill and open the lid and go inside of the hive. And I don't even remember bees. I just remember him saying, don't be afraid. That's magic. it is magic. <sighs> I I was probably maybe four. Oh, so a very very early memory. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then when I was eight years old, I stopped seeing that side of my family, and so I lost connection with my grandfather. And I don't think I would have learned how to be keep from him, anyways. I was in the environment when I saw him do it, but I didn't have the understanding of bees when I was that young. And so my connection to nature and Mother Nature as my muse, I was born with that. Nobody taught me how to be connected to nature. Mm -hmm. It's always 
been innate and it's part of my destiny for me to eventually connect with the bees again and my housemate and she became my best friend her name's Haley she was working for the company originally and I stayed in this uh, little cottage like the surf cottage behind the main house in Sunset Beach on the North Shore and then I would see her bring boxes home of these little samples and they were all samples from Honey Girl Organic. And she would just be like screwing the caps on or putting stickers on. That's what she would be doing is labeling yeah. them. And I'm like, oh, what's this all about? And she's like, oh, this is who I work for. And they're up there in Pupukea, which is this hill up on the North Shore. And so I told her that I was looking for a job because I was living in town originally, which is the South Shore. And then I had this boyfriend that lived on the North Shore and I moved in with him. And so I was looking for work, and so I started work. She brought me into Honey Girl Organics, and her and I were the only ones inside the creamery manufacturing their whole product line. And so we were like their alchemists. I just had a vision of, like, you know, Laverne and Shirley. Did you ever watch that show? From, from the 1970s, they were, like, best friends, roommates, and they worked at, I think it was a soda factory or something but the whole intro scene like it's the two of them working on the line <laughs> well in the creamery there we called it the manifestation room and so we really kept it very very sacred and we understood that anything that was said in that room it was just like magic you know wow. whatever we say are spells or curses so we would every product that we made would always have our good intentions we were just thinking oh. these good thoughts and yeah and then um basically that's when we really i i i had a little honey girl tribe from there i brought in my friend michaela who's <laughs> this ma amazing flower fairy and then we started having women's circles real little ones it was just four of us and then our friend katie joined later and then that's when we really started tapping into like ancient wisdom and realizing that we were all soul sisters and witches back in the days and we wow. just come have come back <sighs> in real life but as these like the word witch has such a bad stereotype to it it's just a woman of wisdom right and you know the witches back then were the ones were the herbalists going into the forest and harvesting things to help heal their families and whoever they were the doulas <laughs> do you think that the perception of witches is changing? Yes, very much so. And the word witch has taken on different names. Like, I like to, I love to play different archetypes. And being a bee priestess is one of them I've really stepped into. And it's just about holding sacred space for not just the bees, but all the pollinators, all creatures of the world. But I have a, a special connection with the pollinators. I'm like a whisperer, you know? <laughs> Well, you certainly and, are. I mean, I've seen on Instagram some of the complex removals that you've done of honeybee colonies from structures, and I am just always blown away because you're a yeah. powerhouse. <laughs> you go in there and you do it, but always with a smile, and I think that it's because you have that, that intuition and that like deep, deep respect for the bee colony as a whole that stuff you're cool <laughs> thank you mandy for seeing that and honoring that and you're absolutely right before i do any rescue i always say a prayer and i don't ever really 
include that on Instagram. That mm-hmm. when there's, I, I just held and hosted my first woman's retreat. I had guidelines that in the opening ceremony, when I introduced the altar and the medicine wheel, how we honored all four directions. And one of the guidelines was, um, I told the woman that it was really cute. I had this beautiful patina butterfly bell that I would ring whenever ritual would begin or whenever uh, a meal was prepared and ready. And so I said that whenever the bell was rang in between the ringings, the chimes, that it was a no-phone zone, and especially during ritual because it's so sacred, you know? Like, I mean, look at this this day of age we're in, and everybody's just on their screen, and and so am I. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I try to be very mindful, like, even in the morning, because I do have, like, this rescue hotline for the honeybees. I try to turn my, my phone on after 9 a.m. So I usually wake up before 9 a.m. every day, and I try to have my morning practice of getting on my mat, doing a little meditation, and just setting some good intentions, saying a prayer. And that's what I do, too, when I'm rescuing the honeybees. So back to what I was saying is I don't usually share on my stories the little prayers I say, but my handyman, Elko, who is my my brother over here in Hawaii, we have everybody's, everybody's your sister and your brother or your auntie, your uncle. And him and I, honestly, we just have the best time saving bees together. It never feels like work. We're always cracking up, having a good time. And he won't ever cut into a wall until he's like, hey, he goes, hey, sis, did you pule already? And that's another Hawaiian word. Pule means prayer. So... He oh, won't even cut into the wall. Yeah, and he he notices the difference, Mandy, because maybe there's been like one or two times where he didn't even think about it and was just like started opening up the wall, mm-hmm. and then the girls just start coming out and bombing him. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. And then he goes, oh, sis, you didn't say you're pulling. <laughs> and I go, well, you, you're just moving too fast, you know? <sighs> but... He doesn't. He doesn't forget anymore. <laughs> yeah. Is it is it a silent prayer, or is it something that you no, say I, or sing out loud to them? Oh, yeah. I, and it's usually pretty much the same. I always say, "Hey, sweet honeybees, we're here to help you, not hurt you. So please be gentle with us, and we'll do our best to be gentle with you." Mm, I yeah. think that every beekeeper can take the three seconds to say that to their bee colonies or even a swarm or a cutout before they engage with them. Just take that moment and introduce yourself and introduce your intentions. Yeah. I talk to every single colony, even if it's just one bee to a cluster of bees. And some beekeepers who have been beekeeping longer than me and more specifically males have told me that now they talk to their bees ever since that they've met me and known me and they see that I talk to my bees because before it was they even if they're spiritual beekeepers they said they just thought they had it felt they had a connection but now they literally talk to the bees (laughs) I mean I talk to my bees even while I'm working with them I'll chat I'll sing I think it helps (laughs) me feel good and then they pick up on that Yeah, I love that. Beekeeping on an island must be so different than it is here. But one thing that we must have in common, at least for those of us in the Pacific Northwest, 
is the moisture. The advantage that Hawaii has in beekeeping is we just have six months of wet, six months of, of dry. And even though six months are wet, the sun will still come out. It'll be like intermittent rain. And so that's why the bees go off over here. And that's why Hawaii is a huge queen bee producer out of Big Island mostly. They raise mite-resistant queens over there too. I think Kona does, but multiple companies on the Big Island. So with the six months of wet weather, are there any issues with mold or too much condensation buildup within the hive? Yeah. So depending on what area of the island, on on all of the islands that your bees are at, you you, you got to make sure you're putting them in a place that dries up because there's some places like in the back of the valley where it's just like always wet. Oh. And then we have a problem with termites over here in ants. Oh. So we got we got all the pests. We got termites, ants, we got mites, and we got beetles. And oh, the beetles no. thrive. Yeah, the beetles thrive. I I think they've been here. The mite got here in 2006, and the beetles were probably right before it. But oh. I started beekeeping in 2011, so I've only known beekeeping with these two pests here, and it sucks. But my partner has been beekeeping like double the time as me. I've been beekeeping for like eight years and he's been beekeeping for like 15. And so he was beekeeping here at at the time when we didn't have the mite yet. And he said he used to be able to stack his boxes five, six high and not even have to check on them every two weeks. Wow. Jasmine's educational program was designed for third graders and focuses on teamwork, beekeeping, pollination, local traditions, and creating pollinator-friendly habitats. One big reason why I've developed the pollinator program where I tailored it for third grade level and then I just alter it to any grade level after I created the curriculum. And then I created it at Hoa Aina Omakaha, which is one of the farms where my bees are at. It's a 40-year-old nonprofit on the west side here. And right next door to it is a school called Makaha Elementary. So there's a partnership between the five-acre farm and the school, and every grade level has a project or like a garden on the farm. And I worked with third graders because their responsibility was animal caretaking. So we have a little area where there's like rabbits and goats and geese and ducks and those Fish. are lucky and, kids. Mm-hmm. They're and so bees. lucky. <laughs> and bees. <laughs> they, they are super lucky. So once I developed the program, after a couple years of really establishing it there at the farm and working two years in a row with the third graders, and each year I worked with four third grade classes, so that's like 100 wow. kids each year. And then now... My program has taken off this year, but at an outreach level, both. So I do, if schools can afford to bring a group, I do homeschool groups too, but if a school has a budget for an excursion, they'll drive out to the west side and there's this bee house that's screened halfway through and there's three rows of benches where I can fit about 25, 30 small kids and adults. And then on the other side of the screen, I have three hives where nobody on the other side has to suit up because I'm the one with the bees. And I I put the frames right up to the screens, and it's really cool. 
I cannot think of anybody else who's doing something like that. Who has has (laughs) that setup? I mean, that's amazing to give the kids front row seats in in a setting where they're completely safe. That's so amazing. Yeah, Mandy, it really (laughs) is. And I'm I'm raising these kids to not be afraid of bees. I'm trying to change the stigma of the fear of bees, just like people are afraid of sharks. And there's amazing shark conservationists now out there that have really changed people's perception of fear toward these animals that could, like, the shark could just eat you alive and the honeybee has this venom that can sting you and if you're allergic, you could die. (laughs) But the chances of of dying from a bee sting or a shark attack are just so low exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) now somebody like bethany hamilton bless her soul she's such an idol you know getting bit by that shark and losing her arm and now and still look at her she's the mother she still surfs she ripped like it's almost like that was a part of her destiny that's powerful i mean people that are fulfilling their destinies they're so immersed and even even when there's tragedy if they can still like get past that it makes them so much more powerful and yeah and i think most of it it has to do with faith in whatever you believe in faith and faith and love really because that's what god is i don't see any separation but with like i was just mentioning bethany hamilton she has this immense faith in christ so she has this Christ consciousness, and that's why she, she like she's like I don't want to give up. She gets her dad to put a handle on her board so her one arm she can't push up anymore, but she pulls herself up. It's amazing. <laughs> I am not a religious person, but since I've started working with bees, they are just so incredible in their society and all of the amazing things that they're capable of that they do make me believe in a higher power. Wow. That's really special. I mean, look at how adorable they are. And they just, like, look at you when you open up the hive. Like, oh, hey. Yes. And people people think of them as, like, terrifying. I just don't get that. And so I feel like if I can teach as many kids as I can, they they will grow up to always at least appreciate the honeybees and I tell them, you know, if you are a little afraid, just step back and and I and I do an example like today I just taught Waldorf school and I go, Don't do this and I just like did this funny dance and pretend I was swatting everything and they're like <laughs> <laughs> they laughed at me and I go, You don't wanna do that I go, They're gonna wanna sting you because they think you're harming them. I go, just stand back and watch them do their work and respect them. They're working for free. (laughs) I call them the the truest light workers of our planet. I wanted to know what Jasmine's most haunting or enchanting bee removal was, and her answer did not disappoint. It was at Bishop Museum, and Bishop Museum is over 100 years old. so. Bishop was the first guy on island here to purchase a beehive. And oh my gosh. he has his own museum. <laughs> yeah. So 
this was like I want to say 1845, 1875. It's it's in that that time where the initial beehive that was meant to come to Hawaii, it was it came from the East Coast. So it had to go around the Cape and everything, and then the beehive, like, melted and died before it could even go around that. And so they decided that they would try from San Jose, California, and they put the beehive on ice and or surrounded it with ice so it wouldn't melt, and it made it. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing, because do you think that the ice also sort of put the bees into... Like, a torpor? Yeah. I don't know. But so the hive made it, and then Bishop purchased it. And then somehow, I don't know if the, there were a couple of brothers who were the first official beekeepers on Oahu. I don't know if they bought the bees from Bishop, but somehow the hive ended up in Nu'uanu Valley, or the same stock of bees that Bishop had. And then it was Nu'uanu Valley where the bees started swarming. Was And so when you go there, the place is called Pali, which means cliff. And there's a Pali lookout. And there's a sign when you get there, a sign of with a bee on it. And it says, watch out for flying bees. Because that area, the, the trade winds blow right through there. And the bees just like flow through the, with the trade winds. They're moving so fast. They're just like probably flying yeah gosh i mean do you hang out there all the time do you put bait hives along that (laughs) do you even need to put up bait hives i'm getting us off track i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah just put them on a little on the little cliffside right there they'll move right in but i think they live all wild in the trees there in the cliffs and the valleys and so let's bring it back to bishop museum back to i was just giving a little history on him and so we're at Bishop Museum, and the bees are in between the one of their older buildings called Hawaiian Hall, and there was an add-on janitor room, maybe 20 years, it, it was still in the early 1900s that they added on this janitor room, which was like parallel to the wall of the Hawaiian Hall. And so it was like an extension of it. The bees moved in in between the the janitor room and the Hawaiian Hall. In between, there was a void area, and they were going in through this crack in the stone wall. And so when we did the when we did the removal, it, we usually cut in from the inside through drywalls. It's just aesthetically easier to to patch up, and most of our clients prefer it than us cutting into the outside of their house. And so. Here's my handyman, Elko. He's got his sawzall, and he starts it up, and he's trying to put the blade through the wall, and then he turns it off. He's like, sis, this isn't drywall. And I'm like, oh, my – I'm like, what is it? And he's like, I mean, it's some kind of sheetrock. Like, he goes, oh, I knew I should have brought my wet saw. He had to drive all the way to the east side and probably took him about, like, an hour or something to go and come back, maybe a little bit longer. He comes back and his wet saw blade is just the perfect size to cut through this wall, Mandy, that turns out to be concrete with with steel mesh and rebar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? <gasps> yeah, and 
And so my brother Elko goes, yeah, sis, they don't, they made stuff like this back in the early 1900s. They don't make places like this, structures like this anymore. And I'm like, tell me about it. (laughs) Plus, this hive I left out has been there. Okay, the people, the staff at Bishop said probably two years. Try like three years. Mm. Because you asked me to tell you an interesting story where days after I'm just like enchanted by it is the bees chose to move into the wall after they brought back the cape that they gave to to Captain James Cook when he first came to the Hawaiian Islands. This cape is made of millions of honey creeper feathers. What's a honey creeper? <laughs> honey creeper are endemic birds that exist nowhere else in the world other than here in Hawaii. And on Big Island is where they thrive the most. And so most of them are red colored or gold. And in ancient time, the Hawaiians would put sticky resin on the branches of trees so the honey creeper <sighs> birds could land on them and get stuck. And then they would pluck some of their feathers. They didn't kill them. They respected them. But they like, you know, it's like Native American style. So they would get some of their feathers and they would make the feathers. They would make a cape out of their feathers and wear it. And only the royalty would wear them. Whoa. Yeah. So when Captain James Cook came, they one of the kings took his own cape off and put it on Captain James Cook. They thought he was the god Lono because when Captain James Cook, he came and they saw his European, you know, ships with the masts and the sails that look like the depiction of the god Lono. And the Hawaiians were, you know, they were voyagers also, but they made their things out of senet, which was made of uh, laohala. It's a type of pandanus tree that's super, super just strong. I mean, imagine they're making Senate with it. So they're braiding pieces of rope that they're using to voyage. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, so they, they, he gives the cape to, to Captain James Cook and then Captain James Cook leaves. Captain James Cook that first time came here and it was the season of Makahiki which is the season of harvest. And it was Lono's season. So the Hawaiians were like, amazed they thought well they're like wow you know we really praised him this year here he is well when captain james cook left and came back he went somewhere else to voyage and when he returned makahiki season was over and then the hawaiians then they realized that he they thought he was an imposter and they took the cape away and killed him yeah and so that and so that cape mandy somehow ended up in new zealand and i want to say two three years ago they gave it back to bishop museum they gave it back to hawaii they let us borrow it so that cape is the one where the bees are behind that is so crazy. That is, and that was my record hive removal. We had to go back the next day. The whole job in total took us about like 12 hours to do, 12 wow. to 15 hours. Yeah, so we put in a solid eight hours that first day and had to come back the next day, vacuum up the rest of the bees, 
and then like close up the wall because the hive was humongous and it filled up my bee vacuum bin totally. Like there was easily 25,000 bees in there. So the first round, we probably got like 15 to 20,000 bees and had to come back and get the rest of them. (sighs) Yeah, it was incredible. And then Bishop Museum, the whole staff, that janitor room was like a huge observation hive because the bees were all over the the windows attracted to the sunlight. And the bishop staff was like, would walk by like a tour and just like take pictures of the bees in the windows. (laughs) That is so wild. I love that story. I think I'm going to be haunted by it. Just thinking about the bees and the cape and was there some magic that happened that attracted them to that spot above other spots but the honey creeper feathers the fact that the, like they're honey creeper feathers <laughs> they're honey creeper birds <laughs> so the honey creeper birds they have special little beaks that are curled some of them aren't curled but the ones that are curled could specifically go in endemic and native flowers that other birds can't because it's the shape so I'm sure it, it pollinates all the endemic and native flowers and flora, too, mm-hmm. and trees. We went in a really big circle. Yeah, so what I was going to say earlier, before we got in the huge <laughs> cycle of life, <laughs> is that Anthony, the, my first guru, so the founder of Honey Girl Organics, he also taught me how to remove wild beehives. So. My ex-partner at the time was working at Waimea Valley, which is a huge botanical garden on the North Shore. It, Pupukea, which is the hillside where Honey Girl Organics headquarters is, mm-hmm. it looks over into the valley of Waimea where the botanical garden is. So it's all, we call it Ahupua'a, which is the land division from mountain to sea. Oh. So it's all connected. And because my partner was a cultural educators there in the valley I was very connected to that community and they once Anthony taught me how to catch swarms and do cutouts they would always get swarms and there was a waterfall in the in Waimea Valley so by the time they'd call me and then I would clock out of Honey Girl Organics I would get there and they'd be like oh they took off they went above the waterfall and I'm like dang it but Waimea Valley was the first place where I kept my first hive. And so the very first hive that I cut out was my first hive. And then I realized there was a need to do live hive removals because people, the exterminators were still killing them at that time in 2011. Whoa. It wasn't until like, yeah, it wasn't until maybe four or five years ago that they, now they don't let, or I think some experimenters still do sometimes, but the most of them, they know better. Yeah. They I they have me on Rolodex. I've cold called probably 20 or more exterminators here on the island, and so they give me referrals all the time. Wow. And since they can't kill them, they say, well, here's our bee lady. She'll take care of you. Yeah, so I started Bee Weave Hawaii in 2012. I started at Honey Girl in 2011, so I didn't skip a beat I jumped right into apiculture and Anthony was my first guru and then I was self-taught mostly after that and I've had a partner for about four and a half years who like I said earlier has been beekeeping like 15 years 
And so I've learned a lot of things from him and just doing all the bee removals that I do. And then overall, over after a couple years or so, I started really having the eye to find the queen and my chances of finding the queen every cutout or rescue are pretty high, you know, in the 90 percentile. That's and impressive. Now I'm, That's thank you. super impressive. <laughs> yeah, and like you were saying earlier, Mandy, it's a deep connection that that we have with the bees in order to to find her. Mm-hmm. And now what the next level where I'm at is besides, you know, sharing my pollinator program and doing outreach. Now I do one-on-one mentorship mm-hmm. and I started mentoring a sweet friend of mine. And that's thing when whoever I mentor, I become close to them because yes. no matter what age they are, especially men. And then when I work with men, then it's like I introduce this, not the softness into their world and it's not gay or it's not, you know, it's, and that's where there's an imbalance in society is that within us, we, we have ma- a masculine and a feminine side. It's important for us to keep ourselves balanced. Mm-hmm. And so I love working with men because they, I'm, I could be quite masculine myself. Currently I'm working with, uh, like a senior citizen and uncle, like his name is Uncle Bucky. And then I have a young, a younger male student, like in his early 20s. It's so interesting just working with them. I really enjoy it. I learn as much as from them as much as they learn from me probably in some in some ways. I love that. I want to be keep yeah. with you. <laughs> well, you're welcome to come to Hawaii and Oh my gosh. I <laughs> I've been looking forward to this conversation so much. Me too. I just love I love all beekeepers and especially guardians. But I have a special place in my heart for female, for strong women, badass. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yeah, and I loved how when we were private messaging each other, and I, you, you have it spot on when you called me a powerhouse, because in numerology, my foundation, I'm an eight, so that is powerhouse. And then you said how you're mighty mouse. Yes. Because I'm five two and you're five four. I'm five four, (laughs) weighing in at a hundred (laughs) pounds. Boss babe. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Thank you so much. My honey heart's overflowing. (laughs) Well, this has been wonderful. I will talk with you soon, okay? You take care. Aloha. Aloha. To learn more about Jasmine and Believe Hawaii, visit my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. I'll include pictures and links from today's episode. If you're enjoying the show, consider leaving a review and liking Beekeeper Confidential on Facebook and Instagram. You can also become a patron of the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the show to hear the stories of our guests. Beekeeper Confidential has had almost 25,000 downloads since it first started in September of 2018, and we have listeners from all over the globe. Being able to share these stories to a global audience proves the point that we all have bees in common, regardless of our beekeeping practices. 
We've all been touched and forever changed because of our love for bees. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and produced by Mandy Shaw.